When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Robots Radio presents... The city of Los Angeles must have been. Hey, 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 robots, robots. <laughs> Betty Bot, I'm, I'm recording. Can, can I do the intro reading thing? Can I do it? <laughs> okay, you, you do it. I mean, this one's, this one's supposed to be like dark and mysterious and interesting. I'm, I'm trying to do the whole like, this is an interesting intro thing. Yeah, I can do that. Let me, let me give it a try. All right. All right. Here, I'm reading the uh, Vault Dwellers quote about uh, the city of Los Angeles from Fallout 1. Okay. It's right here. You got it? Yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. I got it. I can do it. All right. Go for it. Here you go. The city of Los Angeles must have been the largest in the world before the war. The LA Boneyard stretches forever. The skeletons of buildings lying under the hot sun. Not even the wind enters this dead city. How was that? That was perfect. That was perfect, buddy bot. Good job. So thank you to BuddyBot for that wonderful intro. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, buddy, I, I got to get on with the uh, the rest of the show. So, um, as you can see, I'm talking about Los Angeles in this episode. Uh, I've spent a lot of time talking about Fallout Four, Fallout seventy six, even Fallout Three, and New Ve New Vegas like locations and some of that lore stuff. But I want to go back again to Fallout One. And I'm going to start hitting some of these locations and places and characters from some of the earlier games in the Fallout series, but I want to tackle it not so much due to a division 
in the games and maybe maybe you'll i don't know i'm still trying to figure this out i kind of want to hit different locations and what's going on in them in order to take a a more holistic perspective of the entire map let's see what the whole world looks like and there's a reason why i want to do this there's a few reasons here one uh some i asked some of you guys on the discord and I said, Hey, what kinds of stuff are you interested in hearing about in upcoming episodes? And uh firewriter specifically said, you know, it'd be really interesting to hear more about fallout one and fallout two and some of the earlier content. Um, also with the direction that fallout 76 is headed in this continuing expansion to the world of fallout, the introduction and reintroduction of different factions. I mean, I, I have a feeling we're going to see more brotherhood stuff. They mentioned that I, I get the sense that we are going to be going back to, or at least referencing other things from earlier games that are being reintroduced into the series. This is just, I don't know anything specific, but my sense of it is that we're going to start seeing a little bit more of the content that influenced the content that happened in Fallout 1. Here's what I mean. Fallout 76 happens only a few decades after the bombs drop. Fallout 1 happens 100 years after the bombs drop, and then the rest of the games after that. I have a sense that there's going to be some filling in of the gaps for the, for the timeline, because we've got about 75 years of stuff that leads up to everything else going on. So that's my perspective. So that's I think where I'm going with the next set of episodes. We'll see how that does, but let's start with the boneyard and the boneyard is Los Angeles. That is the same thing. The reason why it is called the boneyard is actually a really cool idea here. You, you drop a nuke, you drop a bunch of bombs on a city, you burn the city up, a city full of skyscrapers and things like that. And what you end up with, is a boneyard for two reasons. One, of course, because of the casualties, the people, the lives that have been erased and the bodies that are left to deteriorate into bones. So of course there's that, but then the city itself is left to its bones. Think about it. You have a bunch of steel structures skyscrapers, large buildings in an area that is extremely wide. And most of those cities have burned and what is left, but the steel bones of those buildings. I think it's an amazingly descriptive name and something that really worked well in fallout one to set some of the tone for the rest of the series. So what, what exactly happened in Los Angeles? Well, let's talk about it. Of course, the bombs dropped and radiation poisoning, disease, famine, all of these things ravaged the population. And of course, with a city like Los Angeles, it's going to be a target. And we know that the area of Orange County itself was the target of a particularly large warhead. It was nuked into a crater. It was destroyed. 
And it's unfortunate that a game like Fallout 1 came out at a time when graphics and things weren't as developed as they were. And maybe it's not unfortunate because it leaves a lot to our imagination. The places that you go to in the game are remnants of the leftover parts of the city, the places that people are rebuilding. But you don't get a sense of the entire scale of it other than, for example, some of the maps in the game that you can take a look at from like aerial photography type maps. But I think the best thing that we can do to imagine what this would have looked like is to think about something like Fallout 3. Think about the capital wasteland. Think about the bones of the buildings that were left throughout the capital wasteland. And then imagine an entire area the size of Orange County is also part of that, but is nuked into a crater. I'm supposing that whatever bomb hit in that location must have hit closer to ground level and completely craterized that section of the city. Either that or it was a location that was hit by multiple warheads multiple times over in order to clear and create a crater in that spot. The zone itself is mostly known for a rebuilding area. It is, it is a location that people still knew about. The people who survived this initial onslaught of nukes still knew where they were. Right. They still had this awareness of there's a city over there. There's not city over there. And so it became a place where people continued to gather people. Some people, inhabitants decided to head to the city to see if they could find any remnants of supplies, people, locations that they could survive in. And of course, the city of Los Angeles is extremely large, but large in a very expansive way. So there's many different zones within the city itself. Now, I noted that the city drew in survivors and they created a variety of different settlements throughout the city. So you can't just call the Boneyard, the city of Los Angeles, one location. In fact, it's not just one location in the games. It's actually several different map locations that you can go between. And one of the most important of those is a settlement called Aditum, A-D-Y-T-U-M, And this is one of the most important settlements in the Boneyard. It's in the Lakewood area, which is inland for us. But because of the aftermath of the nukes, the flooding and destruction of the coastline caused this to become a coastline area. So Aditum is actually a coastline settlement. There's also an area called downtown, which you can visit. And this is mostly known in the games for a a specific nightclub that you can visit. It's used in 2161 as the living space of a gang called the Blades. And that brings up another topic. You don't just have settlers. You don't just have people moving back to this area, of course. You have gangs and you have raiders. And... I want to begin changing the perspective in the way that we discuss Raiders in this game because of the perspective that we've gotten from Fallout 76 and the Raiders that are included in that expansion because that expansion does a really good job 
of helping us to understand that raiders are people too. <laughs> let's let's all be inclusive here. Raiders are people too. Now, of course, some raiders are more bloodthirsty and I guess you could put them on more of the spectrum of chaotic evil. But on some level, everybody is striving for their own survival, so they're willing to do terrible things in order to maintain their survival. Some people are more willing to do it than others. And some people enjoy it more than others. I think we could probably state it like that. And it's not that the Raiders are necessarily good or bad, although many of them are just faceless bad guys that you deal with in the games. But the idea is in Fallout 76 that the Raiders have a at least legitimate reason for thinking that they can be in that space. That was their space. They're returning to it. So. Let's take on a little bit of a different perspective here when it comes to raiders, just just for fun. We have the blades, and the blades are led by a woman named Razor, who is kind of leading by default. She's the one that they go to for instruction, and she doesn't really consider them so much of a gang as a group of survivalists. Now, it says here in the wiki, while a peaceful group, they are persecuted by the regulators who both coerce them into doing their bidding and frame them for crimes against the people of Aditum. This makes it appear that the Aditowners are seriously threatened by the Blades, a convenient pretext for the regulators' own repressive policies. The Blades are fairly disorganized and simply trust their leader, Razor, to do what is best for their group. They live in the large building which dominates the downtown area of the Boneyard. That's the nightclub. So in this context, the, the Blades are not really the bad guys here. They are being manipulated into being the bad guys by the regulators. The regulators are the gang that serves as the police force of Aditum. So what we have happening here, and I find this really, really interesting, is we have a group who is in power, the regulators, who are designing a boogeyman so that they can use that to manipulate the perspective of the population so that the population doesn't realize that it's the regulators who are actually the bad guys. It's the regulators who are amassing wealth and manipulating the people of Aditum. But they get away with it by pointing at the blades and saying, those are the bad guys. We need to do this because we need to stop them. Because if we don't stop them, then they're going to come take all our things. If you understand anything about the way governments in our modern world have worked, then this might ring a bell. There hasn't been a time in American history in the last hundred years that we haven't had some boogeyman to point at, some blades to say, well, we better do this or those commies will come get us. We better do this or that group over there will come get us. That seems to be par for the course. But I get back to Fallout. Let's get back to Fallout. So the Blades are one of the gangs, one of the raider groups, I guess we could say. The other is the Rippers. And the Rippers, we only know because they used to inhabit an area between Downey and Norwalk called the Warehouse. There's a destroyed warehouse in that area. It was once home to these rippers, but they were rooted out by death claws. 
We know that they were a very violent gang and they were willing to attack anybody. And let's look on that spectrum again, more chaotic evil than say the blades. We also know that they lived in this area because there is some evidence. For example, there's a ripper exclamation mark movie poster in the area. They also took prisoners and tortured and killed them. And they set up landmines and traps around the area. You can see kind of this zone they created. There's also a deadly toxic moat around the building. But at some point they were ripped out of there themselves by death claws. Now, whether the death claws came and killed them all or they got moved into some other area and they, they were able to leave is unknown. Uh, one thing we do know otherwise is that they had a leader called Tangler whose characteristic feature is that he had a cybernetic hand, which is really interesting for the fallout world. You don't come across much of this like cyberpunk kind of vibe in the later games, but Tangler was somehow able to have a cybernetic hand, which is really pretty cool. The other small nod to the rippers in the game is that the leader of the children of the cathedral, his name is Morpheus, and we know that he used to be a gang member. We also know that the designers originally wanted the rippers to be in the game rather than just referenced in the game, but it never came to be. It was one of the things that they had to leave on the cutting room floor. Now, there are two other locations in the Boneyard that we come across, the fortress and the library. The fortress is a reinforced pre-war storage facility in the eastern part of the Boneyard. It is a weapons manufacturing facility surrounded by a moat of toxic waste. It is also the home to the gun runners and houses much of the machinery for making high quality weaponry and the weapons that they wield themselves are kept here. The Gunrunners, as their name would make you believe, are actually weapons merchants, and there's enough information about them that we could go into them in a future episode. The other location is the library, and that is the former Los Angeles Public Library, and this is the home to the followers of the apocalypse. So this is one of the only humanitarian organizations in New California, and again, this is another one of those organizations that we're going to focus on in a future episode because there's a there's a good amount of information here. So those are the main locations in the Boneyard. And it's unfortunate that we don't have better graphics to see what some of these zones look like. For the most part, they're just these single level buildings that are mostly in ruins <laughs> that you come across in this old polygonal isometric looking game. But. Who knows? Maybe we'll get to return to some of these areas in a future expansion. That would be really cool for a future game. All right. After the break, we're going to come back and talk about some of the things that happened in this area throughout the timeline. So stay tuned. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. All right, Wastelanders, Vault Dwellers, thank you for tuning in. This is your host, Tom or Robots, welcoming you back to another episode of Fall Lorecast. Thanks for joining me. Wanted you guys to know that the Fallout Hub show that I do with Ken and Dave is going to a weekly schedule. It has been one of those things that we've just knocked out whenever we've had time, but we are now going to a weekly schedule and you can tune in live 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Tuesdays. So Tuesdays, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, when you can tune in for us. It's not on my Twitch channel. It's on Chad of Fallout 76 podcast Twitch channel, which you can get to very easily. The, the best way to do it is to just search it. Um, but you can also click the links in the Discord or check the Twitter accounts or anything like that. So um I highly recommend if you aren't already plugged into all the different fallout shows we do on our network, then go check those out at robotsradio.net and just get plugged into everything because there's a whole bunch of really good fallout content out there for you guys. All right. That's all I'm going to say in the middle of this episode. I hope you guys are enjoying it and let's get back to the boneyard. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. So I sort of told a lie. Well, no, I didn't really lie. I just excluded a location because it's a secret location. You see, Los Angeles wasn't just different places that you could go on the map on the surface. There's also a place underground as well. The Los Angeles vault. And the vault doesn't have a number because it is the demonstration vault for Vault-Tec. It was created before the Vault-Tec project, and this became the base of the master. And a little refresher here, the master is a weird, mutated, organic, human-slash-computer evil bad guy who is the main protagonist of Fallout 1. And he turns this vault into his base. So the events of what happened here is that you have a group of human cultists who decide to take residence in this vault. And then the master locates it, moves in, manipulates the cultists, and they build a monument on top of the vault called the cathedral. And the cultists become the children of the cathedral. They also become the servants of the master. Some of them get out and they move out into the wasteland and into other organizations. 
but many of them remain as the minions, I guess you can say, of the master. And this is another topic. This is another area that we can go into in a future episode. This idea of this religious branch of an organization called the unity that the master created and how that spread through the wasteland, how that influenced people and how that worked for the master to gain power in the wasteland. What's interesting here for this location is that it works really well as the main bad guy area, I guess you could say, in a video game. This idea that you come across this creepy cathedral and then there's this reveal that there's a vault underneath and you are a vault dweller. You've by this point in the story, you've come across some other vaults. You understand the importance of vaults, but then you understand that there's this creepy faction in the wasteland that's working for this evil, weird, bad guy. And it's all kind of coming to a head in this location. So it creates a place that you have to combat your way into in, in order to take out the master and, and the story goes from there. So it works as this wonderful kind of climactic location. That, and it's part of the larger boneyard. It is a cathedral that is, in a way, the center of what is left of Los Angeles. Everything outside of this is the remains, the bones, or settlements and areas that are just pieces of buildings and things that people are putting back together in order to try to suss out some sort of existence, some sort of safety for themselves. The cathedral itself we get to see in the game. We get to see the entrance and, of course, the inside of it. And there is a artistic rendering also in one of the photographs that you find in the game. And it is... It is a spooky looking location. It is a, th a cathedral. It, it, everything else around this zone is broken down. The roads, the buildings, everything else looks like it's in ruins. But the cathedral is a me metal. It's like a rusted iron and concrete building with imagery, a face and wings behind it, multiple doorways. And even on the sides, if you look carefully, you can see what looks like stained glass. A very spooky looking building. It has that sort of, I don't know, almost a Bioshock kind of, uh, what's the style? Crap, it's falling out of my head here. The, um, you know, that early 20th century uh, Art Deco style to it. But it's also... A religious building, but it's not done in the way that a friendly, warm, inviting religious building is done. This is done in a more gothic. It's like a postmodern neo-gothic style, I guess you could say, with thin spires coming up the sides and, of course, modern materials instead of stone. And all of the stone and all of the metal is dark. Everything still looks worn. It's not clean. And behind the figure at the front, the helmed image of the 
person or maybe even a super mutant and it kind of looks like this gigantic person with wings behind them is a glass biohazard symbol in the stained glass spooky stuff it's not the kind of place you would see from a distance and go hmm, that seems like a place i want to go in the kind of place that makes you think, eh, maybe I shouldn't go in there. Especially when you take into consideration the hooded figures walking around and standing out in front of the building. So this all wraps up after the events of Fallout 1, the fall of the Master. And by 2189, so we're now 112 years after the bombs drop, the Boneyard becomes one of the states of the new California Republic and Aditum becomes new Aditum. And these areas actually end up holding seats in the NCR Senate. It's also one of the largest cities in the NCR territory. And so it was a natural choice for many organizations to place their headquarters. And so by 2281, 200 years after the bombs drop, the Boneyard is host to the Republic Reserve and the followers Angels Boneyard Medical University, among others. The Republic Reserve is the central banking system. It is the storehouse, I guess you could say, for the central banking system for the NCR. And they actually issue out coin and paper currency, which again is interesting in a wasteland where everybody's using caps. Also, the medical university, the Angels Boneyard Medical University, is actually a university for doctors. So you have the semblance of a rebuilding of society happening here in what used to be Los Angeles in the NCR. And because of that, this area has become more stable. Buildings are being rebuilt, redecorated, and renovated. And this zone does have influence in the other games. It is referenced in all of the other Fallout games somewhere. People know about it. This is, in some ways, the hub of the West Coast. It has gone from a sprawling city, a sprawling metropolis of Los Angeles, being bombed into the Stone Age, becoming the seat of power of the first main antagonist in the fallout series and then slowly being resurrected into a location that is trying at least in some way to bring about some level of normalcy back to these people's lives but we do also know about this comes from new vegas there's a conversation with the courier and the courier says to Raz, so what's your story? And Raz says, ain't much to tell. Grew up out west in the boneyard. Heard of it? Yeah, not many people have. Wasn't really a good place for kids, you know? I joined up to get out. My family's still back there. So in a world where long-distance communication is difficult and people don't travel too far from where they, where they started, the boneyard may not be known everywhere. But it's trying to make a difference in the world, or at least the people there are. But then again, there's some hint that it's not really the best place still. Wouldn't it be cool to go back? I think that there's some uh, unfinished details about what's going on in the Boneyard.
All right, Vault Dwellers and Wastelanders, thanks for joining me again. And until next time, don't join up with some creepy cult and build a cathedral anywhere. Probably bad idea. All right, I'll talk to you next time. See you later. To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Also, look up the Robots Radio YouTube for videos about Fallout and other things. And check us out on Twitter, twitter.com slash robotsradio. This podcast was brought to you in part by our patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast, including our tier five patrons. Thank you so much to Firewriter for supporting the show. Also, if you're interested in business inquiries, advertising on the show, or applying to be a podcast on the Robots Radio Network, send me a message at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or robotsnetwork at gmail.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.